we are recording. Hallelujah. We're on Zephaniah, gentlemen, which is 1057 in your small Hebrew Bibles, or I don't know where it is on iPhone, David. You're going to have to figure it out here. Um, anybody, welcome, everybody. Um, we finished off the end of chapter 2, uh, remember, in the um, Oracles Against the Nations. And it, it did a very interesting thing here. I don't know if you remember that, but it, it went from um, the west in talking about Philista to the east, an oracle against Moab and Ammon, and to the south, I mean to the north then, against Assyria. And I think we had that, um, no, first to the south, Wait a minute, I've got to find my place here. Well, it was north and south, all right? Um, south and north. Verse 12 was the Cushites, so Ethiopia to the south, all right? And then in verse 13 to the north. And uh, so, you know, you kind of have symbolically represented the whole world, all the countries of the world being judged. And that fits in with the theme of the book, the day of the Lord is being judgment against individual nations. And then remember judgment universal, which we saw in, in chapter one as well. All right. Um, so we're picking it up now in chapter three. And um, let me uh, begin. And we're going to go to, I don't know how far, we won't go too far in the book here. Um, probably just like to verse 6 or something like that, maybe verse 7 today, and then we'll be able to um, get a little farther next week. Um, so he starts in verse 1. Hoi, morah, venig Allah, ha'ir, ha'yona. Okay, <clears throat> you get your work on feminine participles here. Okay, Hoi means alas, so we're still in this lamenting kind of, thing, um, judgment being the whole tone so far. Mora is a feminine participle, singular, from the root memresh aleph, mara. It's equal to memresh hey, which means to rebel. Okay? And very often you have, mem not very often, in a handful of words you have memresh hey verbs that are actually behaving like olive verbs. So there's kind of a crossover here. So notice this is a feminine singular participle call from Mara. Uses a substantive, alas, O rebellious one, Mora. Okay, or woe to you, O rebellious one. All right. Venig Allah, <coughs> notice the root is Ga'al, which you know is to redeem. Here it doesn't mean redeem. Ga'al also means. Uh, to uh, be, be polluted, to be defiled. And again here, notice that this is a nifal participle, feminine singular. And the word with this meaning only occurs, doesn't occur in the call, all right? Um, occurs in the other binyanim, but not the call. So alas, O rebellious one, and O polluted one, O defiled one. Okay, now we're not quite sure who he's talking about yet, but we'll see. Ha'ir, the city, you guys all know that one, the city, Hayona, here's another feminine participle, okay, which means uh, to oppress, from Yana, to oppress, feminine singular. So, alas, O rebellious one, O polluted one, the city, the one which oppresses. All right? 
Um, so you're getting your work out with participles used as substantives here. Any questions about verse 1? All right. Verse 2. Lo shama bekol, lo lacha musar, Yahweh lo batacha, el eloheha lo kareva. Okay. Not has, okay, shama. Not has she listened. Call, third feminine singular from shana, shama. Not has she listened. So she has not listened. Now notice the preposition is bait. All right. In English, we would say she has not listened to a voice. Or sometimes shama plus bait means to obey. She has not obeyed a voice. Okay. Lo lakha, again, third feminine singular call from lakach. She has not received musar. She has not received, in this case, chastisement or instruction. Remember the root. What's, what root verb is this noun based on? Yasar. Notice what's happened here. You have the, the uh, root yasar, which means to chastise. You add a mem to it. Vav and yud are changed a little. You got your noun. So notice how it establishes that pattern. So chastisement or instruction. Okay. Ba Yahweh lo bataka. Again, third feminine singular. In Yahweh, she has not trusted. El Eloha. Um, to her God. Lo kareva, she has not come near. Call, perfect third feminine singular. Notice that the, why, why is there a seire under the resh? Here's your trivial question for the day. <clears throat> why is there a seire under the resh? What should be there? Notice the other form. You should have a shva. Look at shama. Notice that's the form you learned, shama. But notice batacha has a comet because it's in pause. So the thing has lengthened to the A sound, batacha. And here, um, karva would be the normal, but in pause at the end of the verse, it lengthens. And it makes sense when you lengthen because you're stopping on something. See, so you lengthen the vowel, it becomes kareva. So it's still a third feminine singular. <coughs> Not necessarily. Um, notice that this is a stative to be near, to approach. I mean, even in the perfect, it's karev instead of karav. Um, and uh, uh, the batach, I mean, the chet likes that A sound. But you're just noticing you're getting a lengthening in both of them. Um, and so it's just a different way the words are pronounced, I think. All right. Does anyone have any questions, other questions through those first two verses? All right, who the, who's, who's he talking about? What city? Well, we, we can kind of probably guess. Okay, verse 3. Sareha bekirba ariyot shoagim shofteha ze'eve erev lo garmu laboker. Okay, sareha, her princes. From, all right, her princes, that's a plural noun, sarim. So her princes in Kirba, in her midst, in the middle of is Kerev, Bekerev. You add the third feminine suffix, it com becomes Bekirba, like a segalit. Remember, you add it, and that short vowel comes back under the cough. So her princes in her midst are Arayot, lions, Shoagim, roaring lions. Okay, notice the verb form, Shoagim. 
Okay, all you first-year guys, you should know the form. What form is this? Show a game. Good. Call participle. Kotel, kotelim, shoeg, shoagim. So it's a plural participle, um, and it modifies lions. So her princes in her midst are roaring lions. Okay. Shofteha, her judges. From Shofate, her judges are ze'eve erev, wolves of the evening. Ze'ev is the plural construct. Right, Ze'ev. So notice again the imagery. Roaring lions and wolves of the evening. Now here's very interesting. Lo garmu laboke. Um, gar, garmu is again a call verb. It's a deponent, a denominative from the word gerem. Gerem is the Aramaic word for bone. Bone. So this is this means <laughs> to gnaw on the bones. Okay, and so very wooden English would be, they do not gnaw on the bones up until the morning. Namely, they eat everything at night. And so, uh, like BDB suggests the meaning to leave something over. So some of your translations, they don't leave anything till the morning. All right, but here you have kind of a little Aramaic flavor coming into the text. All right. So notice how it's again condemning all levels of society, the princes, namely the political leaders, the judges, the legal system, uh, both of them. And now it's going to continue here with other aspects of society in verse 4. All right, and I think we saw this earlier in the book. Um, good. Any questions in verse 3 about syntax or anything? <coughs> all right. Verse 4. Nevieha pochazim anshe bogdot. Kohaneha chilalu kodesh chamsu Torah. Okay, her prophets, Nevieha. Her prophets, pochazim. Notice the form. What form is this, first year guys? It's a verb. It is a participle. Very good. From pachaz, the root, a masculine plural participle. It means to be wanton or to be reckless. <coughs> so her prophets are pochazim. Her prophets are reckless. Anshe, men of Bogdot. Um, Bagad means to deal faith, faithlessly with or to um, act in a treacherous way. So men of treachery. Notice that this is a plural noun. Abstract ideas very often plural. You could translate men of treachery or men of treacherous deeds. See, so notice how it's characterizing princes, judges, Prophets, and now what's coming next? You know, <coughs> priests. Kohaneha, her priests, and what do they do? Chilalu Kodesh. They pollute. Chilalu is a PL, perfect. All right, third plural from Chalal. Her priests pollute Kodesh, holiness. And, um, you know, if you want to make it more concrete, pollute the holy thing or the holy place. Some translations go, um, yeah, they, they uh, kind of translate her, her uh, priests pollute holy things or something like that. But it's really the abstract, more in, in kind of more literal fashion, Kodesh means holiness, that abstract term. Okay. Chamsu, uh, this means to um, do violence to Hamas. Again, a call perfect, Hamas, to do violence. They do violence to Torah. 
Right? So notice her prophets act recklessly. Men uh, of treachery. Her priests pollute holiness. They violate or do violence to Torah. <clears throat> all right, so notice on all levels of society the injustice that's prevailing. All right, any questions through verse 4? All right, very good. Verse 5, in contrast, Yahweh. So he leads with Yahweh. Yahweh tzadik bekirba, lo ya'aseavla, baboker baboker mishto yiten laor, lo nedar velo yodea aval boshet. Okay, Yahweh is tzadik. Yahweh is righteous in her midst. <clears throat> Again, notice the contrast between verse 5 and verse 3. Her princes in her midst are roaring lions. In contrast, Yahweh is righteous in her midst. Alright? Lo yaaseh avla. He does not do avla, perversity. Okay, notice that this is the abstract noun. He does not do perversity. Aval means to twist. The verb means to twist. Alright? Um, so he does not do perversity. Um, Again, notice also, and I'll talk about this at the end of the verse. Just remind me about the verbs at the end of the verse. So Yahweh is righteous in her midst. He does not do perversity. Baboker, baboker. How does this function when you have repetition like this? <clears throat> kind of a distributive sense. It's literally in the morning, in the morning. We would say each and every morning. Okay, Each and every morning, mishpato, his justice he gives. So this is from Natan, imperfect. He gives Laor, as a light. Lo nedar. He does not fail. Here's the root adar. What conjugation is this? With the nun in front of it? Nifal. Good, perfect. It means to lack or to fail. All right. It also means Aramaic to help. It also means to hoe. It also means to fail. So three different meanings. Don't ask me why. He does not fail. Velo yodea. Okay, here's another contrast. What's yodea? What form is it? It's a call from yada. What is it? With a holom in front of it? It is a, as soon as you see that holom, you know. Participle. Call, participle, singular, masculine. All right? And not does know the aval. Um, this is a noun that means an unjust person. Notice avil, and notice the word right next to it, avla, perversity. He does not do perversity. So a person who does perversity is an avil. All right. Notice the pointing, the patach under the ayn, the vav with the dagesh and the comets <coughs> on a noun like this. Uh, a class of nouns in Hebrew <coughs> has this kind of pointing to indicate an occupation or a profession. So a thief is a ganav. Patach, nun, dagesh, comets. Ganav. Thief is a ganav. A judge is a dayan. Uh, a sinner, chata. Same pattern. So there's a number of words with this pattern. So here's a, a twisted person, a perverse person. But the perverse guy, the aval, does not know boshet. What's that? Shame. All right, so notice the contrast. Yahweh is righteous in her midst. He does not do perversity. In, in the morning, in the morning, each and every morning, his judgment he gives like a light, as a light, la'or. 
He does not fail. But the Avel, the perverse guy, does not know shame. All right? Good. Any questions? Okay, now notice, I want you to notice how the verbs switch tenses uh, between 3, 4, and 5. All right? Um, Notice that the the kind of thing we're describing here is characteristic or habitual actions, right? These are things that are happen over and over, the state of the people, the characteristic of the people. So notice we translated everything with simple present tense. Verse 3, the princes in her midst are roaring lions. The judges are wolves of the evening. They do not leave anything till the morning. Gerem, all right? Um, now notice that it uses participles for verse 4. Her prophets are reckless. See, men of treacherous acts. Her priests, now notice you have a perfect tense. Her priests pollute. All right? They do violence to Torah. Okay, notice that we're, these are habitual actions, customary actions. Now we switch to Yahweh. And in contrast, Yahweh... Uh, has these characteristics, all right? But notice the verbs switch from perfects to imperfects, and um, that probably heightens the contrast, but you translate them the same way. In other words, it's not as if the prophet here is switching and making a prediction. He's describing how Yahweh is in contrast. And so the, my point is that in Hebrew, when, you're, when you are talking about habitual actions or characteristic actions, there seems to be, you can seem to be able to use perfects or imperfects or even participles. Um, I mean, in habitual actions, imperfects are more common. In states, uh, you tend to get perfects more often. But again, you'll see this kind of thing, and perhaps u- the switch is used to indicate kind of switch in subject. Notice you're going from the other people to Yahweh, or maybe the switch that you're coming to the end of a verse or the end of a thought. So maybe the switch has something to do with that. Um, So notice here in verse 5, I would translate those imperfects the same way. Yahweh is righteous in her midst. He does not do perversity. Uh, Each and every morning, he gives judgment. Notice those two imperfects. But now we're coming to the end. Um, He does not fail. Notice he switches to perfect. Nadar. Okay, and now you come to the unjust one. He uses a participle. The unjust one does not know Boshet. <clears throat> all right? So I think that the important thing is when you're reading a text like this to figure out what's the situation. Is he referring to a characteristic, habitual state, those kinds of situations, and translate accordingly? And then he's using these verbs for other purposes. You know, Now, it may be because of the meaning of the verb, style of the author, or the dialect of the author, um, again, to signal that you're coming to the end of a thought, I mean, notice the perfect switch here to Nedar may be because he's, he wants to indicate the end and now we're coming to another contrast. All right, those are things that are possibilities All right, for the reason. John. He talks about the city and the priesthood and then he talks about God and then he, and then he switches to the, the, the unjust person. And, yeah. he, well, it's good. Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, he goes to, through all these these. Uh, offices in society. Then he contrasts Yahweh and then he goes back to an unjust person. 
So he's not talking about any specific person, just unjust person in general. So it's as if he can't get them off his mind. You know, when he's talking about Yahweh, here's Yahweh in contrast. But now he's got to go back and but look, the unjust guy doesn't even know shame. In contrast to Yahweh, who is Zadik, who shines like a light every morning, who doesn't fail. But the unjust guy just doesn't know shame. See, in other words, it's as if he's saying, after thinking about Yahweh, anyone who's engaged in those activities should be deeply ashamed. But see, it's a part of these people that they are unashamed of what they're doing. It's like they, they know no shame, you know, which is really galling. All right? Does that make sense? So, again, in, in the prophets, if you're speaking kind of impassioned speech, yeah, just like if you're really excited or upset about something, you may kind of skip around a little. And so it's not necessarily a logical structuring. That's what you're getting here. We can do one more verse. He goes back to the nations. Hikrati goyim. I have cut off nations. Notice that this is a hifil from karat. First common singular. I have cut off goyim. Nashamu pinotam. Uh, this nashamu is from that uh, the reduplicated stem shamam to be desolated, to be destroyed. This is a nifal. And pinot is from pinna. Pinna means corner. This is a plural noun. So their corners, namely the corners of their buildings, um, um, have become desolate. Okay, so I've cut off nations. Their corners um, are desolate. Hecharavti, I have charavd. Again, this is a hippial perfect from karav. Okay, I have made desolate, charav, decimated, chutzotam, their streets. Mibli without uh, an over, one passing over. Okay. Nitzdu, this is again a weird word from Zadad, a nifal. Arehem is their cities. From ir, arim, then you add the suffix. Their cities are laid waste without a person. Mibli, without a man. Me'en, without a Yoshev, an inhabitant from Yashav, a participle. Okay? So notice Mibli and Me'ain are um, synonymous terms. They're synonyms. Without a man, without an inhabitant. All right? Good. Uh, any questions about any of the forms in verse 6? All right, good. We'll stop there. Believe me, we're getting to a good part uh, at the end of the letter. It'll be worth it. Thanks very much, gentlemen. Have a good day.